Forged in Fire podcast. Be warned, we're not your typical Christian podcast. We tell it like it is, we don't pull punches, and we're committed to teaching biblical truth even when that truth hurts your feelings. Sensitive listener discretion is advised. Let's rock. Hello and welcome to Forged in Fire podcast. Thank you so much for downloading the show and joining me today. I'm Matt. I'm your host. And uh, I want to go ahead and jump right in this week with uh, reading a passage. Uh, it's real familiar to everybody or, or, you know, to at least to most believers who have been in the game a while, so to speak, is the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, it is a story. It's, it's a miracle of Jesus, the only miracle of Jesus that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. And today we're going to take it from the Gospel of Matthew. It's in chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Uh, so if you got your Bible, flip there. If not, uh, just chill and listen. Again, today this comes from the King James Version. Just my preferred translation. That's not the one you have to read to go to heaven, because that means you have to understand the King's English to go to heaven. And uh, the King's English wasn't even a thing, you know, when, when all of this was going down. So don't worry about that one bit. Here we go. Uh, Matthew 14, starting at verse number 13. When Jesus heard of it, it being the, the murder of John the Baptist, uh, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart, and when the people had heard thereof, they followed him out on foot, of, on foot out of the cities. Excuse me. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude, and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals, or food. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. You give them to eat. And they said unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, and took the five loaves and two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake, and gave the loaves to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat, and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full, as twelve baskets full of leftovers. They that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Basically, between ten and 15,000 people is the actual number who were fed out of five loaves and a fish, which is uh, not the, the point, but it's, it's the thing everybody remembers about this miracle. I feel that it's pretty timely. You know, I am a couple of weeks late on this topic, but not too bad. It's still January. It's still resolution season, you could say. You know, it's still time for the whole New Year, New Me thing. Uh, how are you guys doing on your resolutions? Yeah, I believe you. Uh, I've actually stuck to all three of mine so far this year. Well, two of them. I, I did pick my nose the other day, but I couldn't help it. Man, I just, I, you got to get it out of there. Um, but other than that, I said that uh, I was going to eat more and get fat. Er, and uh, I'm all over that, like white on rice and a glass of milk and a paper plate and a snowstorm. So we're doing pretty well there. You know, the top three resolutions in the United States, at least as of 2018, were to eat healthier, lose weight, and save money. I think uh, we should make one of those resolutions to restudy math because that's only two. Eating healthier and losing weight, you cannot do one of those without the other. So, you know, that's, that's six of one half dozen of the other. But then again, if we were doing math, we probably wouldn't have to make saving money a resolution. So I'll digress. 
But uh, all kidding aside, we do this every year. We put ourselves under, you know, a microscope and, and we put ourselves under so much pressure to change something about, you know, our personality or our lifestyle or what have you because there's something about us when, you know, we step back and we look inside or look in the mirror, we see something that just won't do or that just isn't good enough. You know, and, and just like the loaves and the fish, you know, we have only, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. You know, the, nowadays we say that this is all we have. We've only got five loaves and two fishes. And, you know, that's all, that's not enough. But then it was given to Christ. And that's the part that I really want to drive home today. I want to submit to you today that you don't need a new you to fulfill God's call on your life. And rest assured, God does have a call on your life. And the only new that you need to fulfill that is the blood of the new covenant. And I'm going to throw a lot at you today, you know, a lot of information, but this is just the first of uh, two parts that we're going to cover on this idea of, uh, you know, new year, new me. Uh, it's totally unnecessary. Um, turn over with me to Romans chapter 12. Uh, verses 3 through 8. Uh, I'm going to grab a sip of coffee while you do that. Oh, that's good stuff. Don't worry, you'll get used to that. Um, you know, I, I, <laughs> I feel like everything that I do, I say, don't worry, you'll get used to it. And that may or may not be true. So, I don't know. As we go through the show, you know, let me know. Are you getting used to it? Or is it still just as irritating and, and grating on you as it was the first time? So, uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, Paul is speaking of spiritual gifts. So, starting in verse 3, the Apostle Paul said, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And so the, the point that Paul is trying to make here is that every believer without exception, has a different gift, a different spiritual gift. And every single one of those gifts comes from God. Okay, Now, we, we see the word prophecy there, and the thing to keep in mind is that prophecy does not always mean predicting the future. Um, it, it really means, well, you could boil it down and really just say preaching. You know, it, it means to bring uh, or, or give God's message. And then, you know, ministry is serving. Teaching, like giving, is pretty self-explanatory. Exhortation is uh, essentially coaching or encouraging. And then you have ruling, which could be like, uh, you know, not just as in kings, but in administration or, or management. And uh, those with mercy, to do, to do it with gladness, not, not sadness. So not show mercy not because you feel sorry for the individual. Is, is basically what he's trying to say. And you see, all of these gifts are not of your own making, not a single one of them. And they're also not for our 
personal advantage or advancement. And I think the thing to notice is that only one of those things in that list directly refers to quote unquote church work. Okay, the rest could, they could, but not necessarily and, and definitely not implicitly refer to church work. Yet all of them are from God and serve the purpose of edifying and, and building up the church, the capital C church. But all of us have a roadblock to get over. Something stops us. Something gets in our way. What is it? Well, but there are a few reasons for that. Hang on. I'll grab a swig. Oh, that's good stuff. All right. So number one is a misconception. There's a perception problem nowadays. If someone comes to you and says that they have felt God's call on their life, your very first thought is, oh, well, they must be called to be a pastor or maybe a missionary. The train of thought is pretty much going to stop right there. You know, we tend to think that if the call isn't to the pulpit, then it's not legitimate, or, or at least it can't be connected to the kingdom of Christ. Now, this, you know, is, is a whole other dissertation we could go down. This, this really has roots in the Middle Ages with the Roman Catholic Church, who really kind of helped break down society into groups during that time. And, uh, of course, at the very top was the clergy. You know, they were the number one. They were above the rulers, uh, you know, the, the kings and queens. And so they were, they were the special man, the uncommon man. At the time, the perception that was put forth by the church was that God did deal with the common man, the common people, but he would only deal with them through the middleman being the uncommon man, the clergy, which is also why they used a Latin Bible, but, you know, that's another topic for later on. So really, it's just there's this been this perception for, oh gosh, about 15,000 years, 15,000, <laughs> sorry, that's not how math works, about 1,500 years now, the clergy are special. They're the only ones with the call, the only ones that God interacts with, and unfortunately, we still fight against that a lot today. The second issue is us, ourselves, mainly fear. Uh, you know, the writer H.P. Lovecraft, he has a famous quote that said, uh, the oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear. And the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown. And that is so, so incredibly true. You know, think about it as human beings, when we come across something that we don't get or we don't understand, we're gonna have we're gonna have a knee-jerk reaction to it, and that knee-jerk reaction is gonna be one of two things: we're either going to hate it, or we're going to be afraid of it. There really is no in between; it's it's one or the other. What I would like to do, though, is uh, turn over with me to Hebrews chapter eleven. The reason that I bring this up, you know, the the fear of the unknown is. Because so often we feel that call on our life, whatever that call may be, whether it's to the pulpit or not, but then we get scared because we can't see the end of the road, the, the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. So it, it's an unknown thing. And, you know, we, we might rebel against it or push against it, but we're almost always going to be afraid of it. And so in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, 
going to look at verse uh, 13. At this point, the writer of Hebrews has, uh, you know, he's talking, he's spoken about Abel, uh, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah. And in verse 13, he said, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And then just a little bit later in verse 39, he said, and these all, and at this point, let's see, we've gone through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, uh, Rahab, uh, Samson, David, Samuel, all the prophets. And in verse 39, he says, and these all, every one of these people whose names that, at least in general, whose names we all know, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. The point there made is they you know they they couldn't see the end themselves you know none of them actually saw the end before they passed now of course Enoch didn't die he was taken straight to heaven but again that's another topic for another time you know the point being they they couldn't see the end of the road either you know things from the beginning really haven't changed all that much and so what I'd like to do real quick is just read you an excerpt from my utmost for his highest, it's a collection of uh, daily devotionals by Oswald Chambers, which I highly recommend to anybody if you can find a copy of it. Sorry, I got to have my coffee to keep going. And so, <clears throat> just a just a brief uh, excerpt from this. The verse for that day is Hebrews nine eight, which says, "He went out, he being Abraham, went out not knowing where he went." Have you been out? in this way. If so, there's no logical statement possible when anyone asks you what you are doing. One of the difficulties in Christian work is this question. What do you expect to do? You do not know what you're going to do. The only thing you know is that God knows what he's doing. I mean, man, that's just, that, that is so incredibly true. And it's, it's scary because when God calls, we can't see the end game. And that's terrifying. It's like working without a net. Okay, I mean, it's there, but we can't see the net. And again, people instinctively fear or hate what they don't understand. They rarely run to it with open arms. And a third issue that we have, number three, well, really, again, let's, let's get back to the math thing. Two things, really, ourselves, again. But this time is doubt. You know, we're, we're real good about getting in our own way. The part of doubt is that we're not blank enough. You know, you can fill in that blank. You know, back to the text, we only have five loaves and two fish. What Jesus was originally given seemed insufficient. You know, there are 10,000 people there, and they've got five loaves and two fish. I don't think that's going to go real far. But then it was given to him it was turned over to him and in the hands of Christ it became more than enough it became so much more than enough that there were 12 baskets full of leftovers and everybody had eaten their fill they were all satisfied so it's not like everybody just got a bite or two and was done like this was a full they, they got their fill it was a full meal and there was still that much left over and all that started out of just a couple of loaves and, and fish because it was given over to Christ and in his hands 
it was multiplied and made more than enough. Now, keep in mind, he didn't change the loaves and the fish, which is our topic for next, well, I want to say next week, but the next episode. He didn't change them, but he multiplied them. So, you know, we're, we're not blank enough. We're not smart enough. We're not educated enough. We're not eloquent enough. That's the one that I love as well. I, I don't really speak well enough. I'm not much of a speaker. Look at Acts 20, okay? Paul was a boring preacher. Now, granted, that was a conscious decision on Paul's part, but Paul was such a boring preacher that in Acts 20, we read about some old boy, uh, Eutychus, falling asleep and falling from a third-story balcony. Like he, he fell asleep, fell over, he hit the ground dead. Now, of course, they Paul resurrected him, and, and you know, they all uh, ate, ate a meal together that evening, but he was boring. And he was a well-educated man. Paul was a Pharisee. He could have spoken very eloquently and used, you know, powerful and persuasive speech to to win the minds of his audience. But he chose not to do that. He chose to keep it simple because the message of the cross was enough. And my uh, second favorite is the, hey, I'm not inner age problem enough. I'm not old enough or I'm not young enough. Let me just say, there's not a set list of requirements that God's got, like on on a on a check on a checklist to mark off to see if you meet all of these criteria for Him to use you. Okay, especially in regards to your age, that doesn't matter. Okay, when Abraham received his call at the time he was Abram, he was 75 years old. When Moses received his call at the burning bush on Mount Sinai, he was 80. Noah was over 500. Paul was in his 30s. And all the apostles, and this is something I've, I've never really understood until recently, all of the apostles, except for Peter, most likely were younger than 20 years old. They were teenagers. And that's because when they came to Jerusalem to visit the temple, Jesus sent Peter to go fishing for the temple tax, essentially. What was going to be in the fish's mouth was enough to pay the tax for two people, Jesus and Peter. And at the time, any male over the age of 20 had to pay the temple tax. So clearly, the other disciples who were there, they didn't qualify for that. They didn't meet that standard. So these were very young men, and every single one of them was used. But we put that doubt in our way. Whatever it is, whatever it looks like, there's something in us that's not good enough or that just won't do. And, you know, we know as believers, we know that when our time comes, we're supposed to bring as many with us into the kingdom as we possibly can. And we we know that we're supposed to play a role in that. But we always go, nah, God will have somebody else do it. God's got somebody better qualified. Why? Why is that? And more often than not, it's because we're scared. We feel unworthy. And how many of you know, and man, I can. we could talk about this all day. When you get trapped in between what you think and what you feel, what you feel is going to win every single time. It's really, really easy for what you feel to overtake what you think and, and just take over. And that's why we are repeatedly told in Scripture to lead our heart and not the other way around because that deceitful, selfish, always looking out for number one little meat sack of emotion will stop you from fulfilling God's call on your life 
every single step of the way. And so, so often we're either afraid of the outcome because we can't see it or, or we feel like our contribution to Christ is meager. It's not good enough. It's just not abundant enough. We don't have enough to give him. And I, and I just, I want to drive home so hard. He can and will use and multiply whatever he has given, but it's got to be given to him. Okay, God is in the business of taking a little bit and making it a lot. And somebody once said that God doesn't choose the qualified, he qualifies the chosen. You know, Pastor Johnny Hunt used to be the pastor at Woodstock Church, Woodstock First Baptist, rather. He says, uh, you know, so often in, in a similar scenario, so often in our life we feel this call of God on our lives and, and that he wants us to go and fulfill a purpose. And we say, God, give me the power so that I can go. And God says, no, you go and I'll give you the power. You can be used just the way that you are with just what you have if you put it into his hands and if you hand over what you've got. Well, guys, I want to thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, again, uh, we're going to go ahead and close it out. And next time we're going to continue on this topic, but with a very specific look, uh, remember I pointed out that Christ did not change the loaves and the fish. He did not change what they were fundamentally. You know, they were still loaves and fish. The best example of that really would be to look at Moses and his time of calling, uh, which we will do next time. So in the meantime, uh, I do hope that you've enjoyed the show so far. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes or Podbean or Anchor, wherever you hear this show. It really does help. That's kind of it's kind of the number one way to get the word around. So spread the word. Tell your friends. Take care of yourselves, and we will see you next time. God bless. Thank you for joining us here at Forged Empire Podcast. We know there are thousands of options out there, and we're thankful you've chosen to spend your time with us. We hope you've been encouraged and strengthened in your walk with God and encourage you to leave a review on Anchor, iTunes, or wherever you listen to this show. Opening music is Aliens on the Loose by Bobby Cole, which can be licensed at songtrader.com. Questions, comments, prayer requests, or hate mail can all be sent to Podcast at gmail.com.